0: today's episode is sponsored by our premium wix templates if you're totally stumped on how to build your own website but can't afford to hire a designer that does not mean that you should skip out on the important things in the process like professional design sales formula copywriting and search engine optimization our premium wix website templates are created with marketing and sales in mind and the best part is that you can have a professional looking and functional website in just under 24 hours our website templates are completely stress-free they're easy to use so that means no Photoshop or coding required they are designed to convert based on our signature homepage formula and they are ready to launch as soon as you are done designing So if you wanna check this out, get it at mbmagency.com forward slash shop and use the discount code mindset to get 30% off. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I am so excited. Today I have James Patrick with me today and we're gonna be talking all about getting published in the media. Uh, this question has been propped up to me so many times recently, and James is the perfect person to teach us on this. James is an award-winning photographer, a best-selling author, business coach, podcast host, and a speaker based in Phoenix, Arizona. He's the founder of Fitposium, which is an annual conference for fitness entrepreneurs, and James has presented coast-to-coast in the United States and has been interviewed for numerous TV magazine and podcast spots. So James, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to chat with you and learn from you.
1: Maria, the pleasure is all mine. So excited to chat with you. So excited to chat with your audience. I cannot wait to have this conversation. Thank you so much for having
0: me on. Of course, of course. So we, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this topic, tell me a little bit about yourself, about your entrepreneurial journey and how did you get to where you are today?
1: Oh, thanks for asking. My entrepreneur journey started as trying to avoid being an entrepreneur, and <laughs> I say that, and it's something that I think maybe you 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 felt yourself, and maybe some of your listeners have felt, which is being an entrepreneur is too risky, being an entrepreneur is too scary. It's safer to get the the secure job. It's safer to get the college degree and then run out of college, get the get the career with the regular paycheck and the four hundred one k and and all the health benefits. So I did exactly that route, and by doing that route, I was actually ignoring and really trying to silence that creative side or that side that wanted to do something and create something that had never been created before. So I actually took a job in marketing and I worked in marketing for the better part of a decade. But that whole time I'm working in marketing, I'm getting that gnawing feeling of, Oh, there's something else. There's something else there. And for me at this time in my life, it was photography. Mm -hmm. And I was building a business as a photographer on the side. Uh, But, you know, I'm falling into those narratives of, You know, oh, there's no professional photographers, and photography is an expensive hobby, and you don't just want to be another starving artist. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure many, many have heard that phrase. I'm thinking, well, starving doesn't sound good. So I guess, I guess I'll just do my job hammer my checks, but after you know, I'm in there seven years, i I have this scale of dissatisfaction. I'm like, this can't be all there is. And my guess is some of your listeners who have been in that same position have felt that same exact thing They're like there has to be something more. There has to be something else. So I made a transition. I left my corporate job. I went full force into my photography career. It did take off it 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 more than two X my income in that first year. Wow. And then from there I started to then build other businesses, other creations, other assets within my own portfolio from my, my Fitposium conference, I and fitness entrepreneurs, I had an online membership, uh, online program sales, I built a coaching platform, I built a mastermind platform, I opened up a graphic and web design agency, but it all really started with being able to make that transition from saying, you know what, now it's time for me to do something for me versus working for someone else.
0: That makes sense. And I think so many people can relate. I'm actually, I've had this conversation with someone earlier and I said, I was surprised that I became an entrepreneur because I was always that very, very safe person, never mm-hmm. wanted to take a risk. And you're exactly right. Being an entrepreneur, there's no, you know, there's, there's like, you get some sort of safety zone, but not necessarily.
1: Well, Let's look at it this way. What have we seen over the last eight weeks? What we've seen is that yeah. it can actually be riskier to be employed by someone else. We are having record, record unemployment rates, record unemployment rates, but yet the many of the entrepreneurs are able to pivot faster, adapt quicker, and shift their business to adjust to the new demands of the economy right Mm -hmm. now granted has it gotten harder of course but that's what change is okay Mm -hmm. and when you're steering the ship when you're running your business you're able to steer it faster than you can if you're under the control of someone else's leadership and this is what we've seen it can actually be riskier now to be employed by someone else and can be safer to be responsible and have that self-reliance of generating your own income streams
0: yeah that's exactly right And I feel like a lot of people, especially, and you know, I think you've probably heard this every recession, every hard time, you know, brings new millionaires, brings new entrepreneurs, because this Mm -hmm. is when people really, really get creative. Um, But I do have a question for you. That's not necessarily related to um, our main topic right now, but I'm very curious because about photography and what do you think contributed to your success two times during your income? Because I definitely have, um, you know people so i have a younger brother this is who i was thinking of specifically his best friend is they just graduated high school he is an amazing amazing photographer and i'm like you need to go into this professionally and he's like no um you know kind of the same thing i don't want to be a starving artist i don't want to do this it's not a viable income stream you know i had a family member that tried to do this and you know just all that negative talk so mm-hmm. if someone wants to go into that creative direction with their career what do you think what do they need to focus on, and what contributed to your success to be different than that stereotype?
1: So I'll start with a question, and it's not a very popular question because this this can polarize some people who see photography as a very sacred art. Mm-hmm. It is an art, it's not sacred. Mm. I've never considered myself the most creative photographer, but yet I will work to be the most successful photographer. So the question I ask is, do you want to be the best, most creative photographer, or do you want to be the most successful photographer? Uh-huh. And those are not always the same thing. And so for me, do I, did I have to work on my work? Yes, absolutely. My work had to be what I call commercially viable. Okay. So my imagery, the, the, the work I create had to be viable, had to be sellable because if I'm creating work, that's not sellable, it doesn't matter how good my marketing is. It's not going anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So creating commercially viable work is part of it, but so many, and this is a mistake, so many artists and I'll just say entrepreneurs because artists Mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs are akin They think that they have to perfect their work. Once my portfolio is perfect enough, once my work is perfect enough, once my book is perfect enough, once my podcast is perfect enough, I will just be found. People will find me. Yeah. And this ideation that if I build it, it will come, that's not working. And I know many photographers who are vastly more creative than I am, who I would say technically are far superior to anything i could ever fathom to achieve as an artist but yet i'm the person who's booked more than 500 magazine covers i'm the person who shot thousands upon thousands of of uh, editorial campaigns i'm the person shooting the high budget commercial shoots why because i worked to build the business. Mm -hmm. Because once I had something that's commercially viable, I did the thing that a lot are afraid to do is I took it to market. Mm -hmm. I launched it. I put it in front of people. And nine times out of 10, if I talk to a photographer or an entrepreneur who's struggling, the reality is, is they're not putting their work in front of other people. They're not asking for sales. They're not positioning themselves and selling. And for me, it was all about, I'm going to sell this work. Mm-hmm. This is this is not something I'm just gonna build a website and expect people or or MySpace page. You and I yeah. have <laughs> joked about MySpace pages. Or today I'm I'm just gonna to try to build a giant Instagram following and hope people hire me. Yeah. It's I not think, going to pan out.
0: I think that is so true. I've had you know so many new business business owners. And I think, you know, like you said, entrepreneurship, creative, creative people, we're all very, very similar. And that is so true. So many people are like, I'm going to become the best. I'm just focusing on my art and someone is going to notice me. And while, yes, we can be hopeful, but most of the time, like you, like you mentioned, we have to kind of put that in our own hands and be sure that we are successful. So kind of transitioning into um, when you became a photographer. So what kind of, you know, publications have you been a part of and how did you make that happen?
1: So one of the biggest shifts I had within my career, because it does start with the work Mm -hmm. is I had to hone in on what my vision was. And for me, and I'm dating back 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, For me, it was honing in on creating sports and athletic portraiture. Now at this time, uh, maybe 12 years ago, at this time, no one else was creating this type of work, at least at a highly reproduced level. And I looked at this as an opportunity. I'm reading in magazines. I'm reading in Entrepreneur, I'm reading in Forbes, I'm reading in Inc., reading in um, Money Magazine that the health, fitness, and sports industry is a booming industry. It's about to explode. There'll be more people uh, uh, registering on their tax returns as personal trainers. More health clubs are going to open. More gyms are going to open. More uh, supplement companies are going to be founded. More natural stores are going to be created. I'm thinking... This is an industry which has not been tapped into yet because it's just at the forefront. So, if I push into this, if I niche down into this, there's a potential here. Now, Mm -hmm. it's important to be transparent. Before I made that pivot, I was struggling as a photographer. And thank God I had my marketing job because I was actually considering ending my career as a photographer because... Most of my clients in the recession of 2008, most of my clients went out of business. And Mm. I was not known for anything because I did everything. I photographed events. I photographed corporate portraits. I photographed architecture. I photographed uh, ceremony. Whatever it was, I'm going to take that picture. But when times got tight and when times got lean in 2008... All my clients went out of business. Well, why would anyone hire just a generalist? So I yeah. said, "Well, if I'm going to really push this, I'm going to hone down. I'm going to do what I love to do, and I'm going to be the best at it." And when, when I when I attribute best, it's not just create the best work; it's get the best clients. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I I honed down. I redesigned my portfolio. And by redesign, I reshot. I did a lot of shoots, and then I did the next step. Is I. Zeroed in on the clients I wanted to be working with. What clients do I need to be working with in order for me to achieve that goal of being the best? Who do I need to work with in my city? Who do I need to work with in my state? Once I achieve that, who do I need to work with in the Southwest United States? Who do I need to work with in the United States? Who do I need to work with in Canada, Mexico, internationally, and so on and so on and so on, right? Mm-hmm. And I made this massive list. I need to work with this company and this company and this company. And then at my marketing job, every time I was on my lunch break, what was I doing? I was calling potential clients, Mm. sharing my portfolio. What was I doing on my 15 minute breaks throughout the day? I was calling potential clients. What was I doing between the hours of 5 p.m. and 7 a.m. the next day? I was sending off my portfolio. I was calling people. I was going to New York, running around Manhattan, burning all, I, I was using all my vacation time to side hustle my photo business, going to Manhattan, running around from every major publishing house in Manhattan with my portfolio books, trying to meet with as many photo editors as I could to shake their hand, to sit down with them, to show them my work and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. And here's what I'd like to do for your publication. And it took a lot of hustle, but that's how I started to get the work. And that's how I got now where I am today, where I can say, yeah, I've done 500 magazine covers in my career and still doing more. Like right Mm -hmm. after this podcast, I have another magazine cover shoot because I built that career being known to create this type of work.
0: That is an amazing story. First off, if that doesn't tell people why it's important to niche down, I don't know what does. And then secondly, I love how you sat down and you're like, who do I need to work with in order for me to be successful? to grow my brand. And I love that. I think that is a tip that anyone in any industry can take. I'm even thinking for myself, web design, right? Who could I work with mm-hmm. to really elevate our brand for people to be, cause you know, people, and like, we're going to get into this. I'm sure talking about publications, but you can tell say how amazing you are, but people perception is based on a third party, you know, uh, authorization. Who did you work with? Where have you been featured in? And that is such great advice to elevate your brand. And I have a quick question for you on that topic. Um, When you were calling these people, um, when you were first starting out, because instantly I know people are going to think, okay, if I'm trying to elevate my brand, I'm trying to work with these big brands. When you're reaching out to them, showing your portfolio, did you have any sort of incentive for them being like, you know this is my portfolio i'm newer in the industry but i really want to work with you did you give them just straight up your regular regular prices or did you give them some sort of incentive mm-hmm. to work with you
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's such a good question and the answer to that question is is it's industry specific because mo- i was really honing in on editorial clients so magazines uh, were the main focus of mm-hmm. my attention magazines just tell you what they're going to Pay you okay? There's there's rarely, if ever, a negotiation unless it's mm. a major campaign. So that conversation never had to come up gotcha. with magazines because they're like, this is our rate sheet. Do you accept it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Every now and then, if the project was big enough, there would be okay. Here's the project. Can you bid on it? But with magazines, that was rare. Now, with uh, tangentially with that, I have three types of clients. Magazine mm-hmm. clients is one of them. Okay. Now, magazines getting my work published is out of the three, one of it is the least uh, lucrative out of the three. Mm. But, and, and we'll get into this, it gives me the most visibility, exposure, and credibility to do the other two. So the other two, which are, are, are more lucrative, one is individual clients. So you, Maria, you come to me like, James, I need some new headshots. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the reason you're going to come to me is you're going to come to me because I'm the photographer who got published in all those magazines and you want to align your brand with these magazines. So you want the style, you want the aesthetic quality of imagery that could get you into these magazines. Well, then you'd hire me. If your goal is not health, fitness and sports magazines, chances are there's no reason to hire me. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. My work's not for everyone. And I say that for any entrepreneur, your work is not for everyone. Don't try to get everyone, try to get the right one. Okay. So I was able to really grow my individual consumer basis because so many of my clients are health, fitness, and sports entrepreneurs who want to build the visual assets that can help increase their brand awareness by getting published. Okay. So that grew my equity as, as a, I'll just say as a media photographer, shooting people's media kits. Okay. The more I got published, the more I was able to increase my rates, mm-hmm. all right? So, you know, I, there was there was a time in the not-too-distant past where I was, you know, saying, oh, it's $50 for this or it's $100 for this, and and I was kind of cobbling together, putting together a decent income, and eventually it was a couple hundred dollars, and eventually it was a couple thousand dollars. Okay. It built up. The more I was able to say, this is the value I provide. And if the value is not for you, no worries. Here's a list of other photographers. I highly recommend, and I'm happy to send them to you because I don't need, there was one year I had 500 individual photo shoots, 500 wow. shoots. It really killed me. Um, I don't need that anymore. I'm, I'm good. like, I, I'm
0: like calculating my head. 500 There's only 360 some days a yep. year. <laughs> there,
1: there were days I did eight to 12 shoots a day.
0: Wow.
1: Yep. So um, I don't need that any. Oh, I don't. Not that I don't. I don't want it. Okay. I I don't want that for myself right now. So my rates are to a level where the individuals who invest with me, they get my full time energy and support without question. Right. So Mm -hmm. over time, that grew. The third type of clientele I have is commercial clientele, and commercial clientele, it's the hardest projects to get, shooting ad campaigns. Okay. But it is the most lucrative. Okay. So like I shot a campaign for, uh, eBay a couple of years ago. Uh, that one campaign was my quarters budget for the year. Wow. Okay. That one campaign, but, but it, it doesn't happen a lot. I get just a handful of these campaigns in a given year. It takes a lot of work to get these campaigns. I once got this one campaign. It was the biggest campaign I ever had. Um, I don't want to say the name of the client, just out of respect for them, but it took me, it was about 16 months of planning negotiating pitching rebidding rebidding again presenting again re-strategizing going through numerous marketing managers because there was turnover internal turnover within their team having to resubmit like it was insane but it was one of the biggest campaigns we've ever had okay it took 16 months to land it okay so few and far between but how do i get into the conversation of getting these campaigns going back once again to getting published in editorial work because all these ad agencies, all these ad directors, all these creative directors, they're looking at these magazines saying, I wonder if I could get the guy who shot this cover, this interior spread, let's mm-hmm. send him a note on our next opening bid.
0: Mm-hmm. So why, what does getting published look like today? I know we've chatted a little bit about how it's not exactly how it used to be in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. Getting published, the idea of getting published, we have to first hone in on why does someone want to get published? Why do I want to earn media? And you'd mentioned Mm -hmm. it a little bit before, which is it gives you that authority. It's a a way to increase your visibility. It's a way to promote your product, brand, service, to get your message in front of the right audience. It builds your credibility. So these are all the reasons why. Now, there are two big mistakes people make when it comes to positioning themselves on how to get published. The first is that they assume getting published means you have to be a celebrity. That's mm-hmm. not true at all. You know, and I, it, I, I would say of those like 500 covers I've shot, maybe, maybe less than 10% were someone who is a celebrity status. And when I say celebrity status, for me, it's usually either uh, a, an actor, an actress, and or um, a professional athlete. I work with a lot of professional athletes. Mm-hmm. The other 450... We're individuals. Individuals who campaign themselves, individuals who pitch themselves, individuals who position themselves, entrepreneurs. Okay. So 90%, it's individuals who got in front of the publication properly position themselves. The second mistake people think is I have to do something really big. And once I do something really big, the media will just notice me and come to me. We've noticed that's kind of a recurring theme,
0: Mm -hmm. right?
1: That doesn't happen either. They're not paying attention. Unless you let them know. So for example, I just had a conversation this week with a client just to kind of hit on the head of everything that's happening in the world. Uh, They own a gym in California and California is planning as of recording, this is planning to open up access for people to go back to gyms later this week.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: They are doing an advanced marketing push to the media to say, okay, these are all the California guidelines on how to keep a gym space clean. And safe. Here are all the things we're doing above and beyond that because of our commitment to the safety of our patrons. And this is our support to show people how we're showing up for them to keep them safe. So they have confidence returning to the gym. So they're taking that story to every news outlet in their area. Well, Mm -hmm. the news outlets might be looking, but they might never find this company unless they went to them to say, this is what we're doing. And we would love to share this on your, on your channel, on your morning show. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's an opportunity to jump onto something. So this is the, the why we talked about the why, who should, if you are someone who has something to promote, something to push, you have a message to share and you need to share it with the audience, with a audience, with a specific audience, you need to be pitching the media. Okay, which mm-hmm. is every single listener of your show. Yeah. Now, then comes how to do it. How do you build a pitch that gets picked up? First thing is you gotta do your research. You have to understand who do I need to be positioning myself towards? And where you start is asking yourself, where does my target audience go to? What magazines do they read? What news channels do they watch? What podcasts do they listen to? What, um, what Instagram accounts do they follow? Where are they already? All right, because instead, it's like imagine having to find every, every person individually and send them an email, or you can go to the place where they all are all at once and get one message put out all at one time,
0: okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: This is what's enhancing visibility. So once you find out where they are consuming their media, your target audience, you then curate your list, and you list it out. And I like, I mean, you could do it in an Excel sheet. You can do it on a piece of paper. I don't care. You list out the company name. You list out who the contact person is that you need to build a relationship with at that company. So let's use a magazine, for example. You pick up a magazine. Uh, Where are you based out of, by the way?
0: I'm in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Okay, so you pick up, uh, what is, is there like an Atlanta magazine?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm fairly new to Atlanta, so I'm, like, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I know we have Voyage ATL, I don't. I, okay, yeah. we'll so we'll just say we'll one. just say Voyage
1: <laughs> ATL. You find out who the editor of Voyage ATL is, and you just write down their contact information. There you go, That's you, you've started to do your research. Now you're gonna look at Voyage, and you're gonna see what what do they typically feature? what, what do they typically put within and voyage? I, I they, they're in Phoenix too, uh, okay. online website. They feature entrepreneurs. They feature, mm-hmm. uh, uh, stories about businesses. They feature influencers. So there's a lot. Okay. There's a lot that they feature. What do they look for in a feature? Well, it looks like they do Q and A's looks like they do some user submitted photos. Okay. So pretty, pretty simple. Okay. And how next, how do I get in front of them? Well, here's the contact information mm-hmm. right there. Perfect. Okay. You've done your research. On a magazine, you you find what's called a masthead. A masthead is it's anywhere between two and 12 pages into the magazine. It's just a list of everyone that works at that magazine. The smaller the magazine, the higher up on that list you can target. Meaning mm. like a local magazine, go right to the editor-in-chief. Even some national magazines, you can go right to the editor-in-chief. Oh, wow. And their contact information almost always is listed right there, or it's very easy to find. And when I say it's their mailing address, it's their email address, you just, you just wanna record those details. Now, let's say a really, really, really big magazine, you're, you're gunning big, you're going for, uh, I'll use something in my industry like women's health. Women's health, you're probably not gonna get all the way through to the editor in chief, but if you're a nutritionist, target the nutrition editor. If you're a personal trainer, target the fitness editor, so on mm-hmm. and so forth, because they'll have section editors that control that entire section. So you still do your research. What do they typically feature? What are, what's their aesthetic? What do they look for in the magazine? How often do they publish? There's, here's a quick hack. Go to the magazine's website or the news agency's website. Scroll to the bottom of their website. Click on the tab that says advertise with us. Mm-hmm. It will take you to a new page which has all their advertising details. Now, I understand you're not doing an ad. This is earned media. But usually you'll find something called an advertising kit or a media kit on that mm. page. Download that because that's going to give you one, it can give you contact information, two, it's going to give you distribution information, circulation information, but but also it's going to lay out their editorial calendar for the next year. Meaning you're going to find out what every issue is going to be about for the next 12 months. That is that's insider info 101. One. If you if you're a runner and you find out that in four months your magazine that you want to position yourself to is doing a runner's issue, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. perfect. I'm pitching for your issue. on running. Here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's why I'm at. So this is just the research and research is something you'll do from now till forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just always, cause everything shifts in the media, right? The second thing is the actual pitch. The actual pitch is something that, that can mystify people. So let's simplify it. It's super quick. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I want to do for your enter enter media here magazine newspaper podcast etc this is what i want to do so if you're pitching an article my name is maria i am a uh, web designer and entrepreneur i want to pitch these three article ideas for your magazine because i think this would fit really well in your tech section or in your consumer diy section so i have three hacks to enhance your SEO for your website that you could do it within 20 minutes. And I'm happy to write that article for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a pitch. That's it. That's that's a pitch. It's, it's literally just a few sentences. Everything else in your pitch is a hyperlink.
0: Mm. Everything
1: else is a hyperlink. It's here's my media kit hyperlinked. Oh, you want to see past articles I've done? Here's my press page hyperlinked. You want to, oh, you want to see photos that I have, like press photos? Here's a hyperlink to all my press photos. Okay, so you're not bogging down their inbox with a bunch of stuff. That's it. That's a pitch right there. It's, it's no more simple than who I am, what I do and what I want to do for you. And the third part is the most important part because to send a magazine an email that says, Hi, my name is James. I'm a photographer. I hope you publish me. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Why? I just got a thousand other emails from people who, who may have taken that next step to say, I have imagery for your uh, entrepreneurs to watch section. I have a story idea for you, or I have something that would be great for your readers. Okay. Those people took that next step. They connected the dots to, to go to someone and say, I hope you can feature me sometime is basically just giving them work to do. And they're yeah. already journalists. Are already busy enough. Okay. Now, biggest mistake people make when pitching is they send one pitch, they don't hear back because you might not hear back, and then they never send another pitch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In fact, ninety percent will not send another pitch.
0: Wow! They don't follow they, up.
1: They don't follow up. The truth is, it could take eight to twelve pitches before an editor starts to starts to notice.
0: Wow! Just, that just is notice. good to that is good to know because. I'm even thinking for myself, you know, I'm you know, like a good handful of times and then I would kind of start feeling a little bit annoyed. <laughs> yeah. but that is good to know. Wow. If, if,
1: if they don't want you, they'll tell you, we don't want you. Okay. If you don't hear back, they either A, didn't see it or B, they're too busy or C, uh, they just put in a folder of things to look at later, which usually happens. Is C. I'll look at this later because I'm really busy right now, and I because they have they have a show to produce, they have a podcast to put out. they have a magazine to publish, mm-hmm. they have something that they have to do that doesn't involve reading your stuff right now. It's think about like all the ads you get if you're a homeowner, all the ads you get for landscaping, all the ads you get for AC repair, all the ads you get for. Um, new appliances, but you don't consider any of those ads until you actually need that service. If yeah. you're a magazine editor and you don't need anything right now, you're not going to read the pitches of stuff that you, for, for things you don't need. You're too busy. Mm-hmm. Okay? But when you do need it, that's when you're going to open that folder. And that's why consistent pitching matters. So after, let's say, three or four weeks, you send a follow-up pitch. Hey, just seeing if you received this, I had some more ideas I'd like to share with you. Then after a few weeks, you send another one. Hey, by the way, did a new photo shoot. Here's some new samples. Then after a few weeks, you do another one. Hey, by the way, uh, I just got published in this podcast. Here's a link. Uh, I'd love for you to check it out. Also, just want to cycle back on those three ideas I sent you. Let me know if any of those work for you. Uh, Then after a few weeks, it's like, hey, I listened to your latest podcast. I loved it so much. These points really hit to me. You're not even pitching anything. You're just saying I loved your recent show. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you just keep doing it doing it doing it doing it because your job in pitching is to earn the attention for a potential relationship. That's your mission right now. Earn the potential for a relationship. Then when you get an opportunity, if you pitch enough you'll get opportunities.
0: Okay.
1: When you get an opportunity, you have to overdeliver. You have to crush it. You have to knock it out of the park because your when when you're given an opportunity, that's that producer or that editor or that that hosts really them saying, we're giving you a chance right now. We're taking a chance on you. Let's see what you can do. So if you show up, you deliver, you crush it, right? And it's not just crushing in the actual thing, but going above and beyond for when this is promoted, published, put out into the media that you're out promoting it, you're out getting people to hear about it, know about it. Why does that matter? Well, Look at this. I'm a podcast host. I look at the numbers of my podcast downloads. If I have guests who do really well and I know they do really well because they're all promoting their episode with me, guess who's going to be asked back on the show? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Same thing with magazines. One of one of the things that I find so, so encouraging is when a magazine editor calls me and say, Hey, the recent issue you shot the cover of was one of our best sellers. Wow. Right? Yeah. Why? Because I'll actually engage full campaigns around. When I have an issue come out, we had an issue come out with the magazine and I did a a giveaway. I gave away 12 one-year subscriptions to the magazine just by people posting a photo holding up that they bought the issue off a newsstand, okay? Um, I will do things like that. I will create promotions. I will team up with individuals I photograph for magazine covers to do special signing events and, and, and things like that to incorporate the community in to the publication to celebrate it beyond just, oh, this came out. I hope you check it out right? Yeah. So same with podcasts. It's like, you know, if if I'm on a podcast, I might say something like, like, Oh, I'll just say it right now. Hey, for listeners of the show, the first five listeners who push this show tag, both me at J Patrick photo and Maria tag us both on Instagram and tell us the number one takeaway you had from this show. I'm going to send the first five listeners of the show, a free copy of my book, fit business guide, the workout plan for your brand. Right. So right there, Five listeners of your show have the opportunity to get the book, okay, which hopefully will promote people talking about the show, sharing the show, getting a conversation going about the show. This right there, you do this for a media outlet, you do this for journalists, you are building relationship equity. And then the fourth step is is you stay in touch. Just stay in touch because when you stay in touch, you find out what they need next. Because what they need next is going to guide you to how you can position yourself next. And that circle, that loop just goes around and around and around and around. And that's why I've had clients for a decade or longer. There are magazines where I've shot 99% of their covers over the last decade. Why? Because I stay in touch, I build relationships, and I show up constantly. So this is that cycle on how you get published. It's not as you, as you you're kind of seeing, it, this is not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It is about persistence, but so much of it, that, that loop, that's about building great relationships. Your job is not just to get published. Your job is to build a successful, mutually beneficial relationship with that editor, with that journalist, with that podcast host, so that when they need you, you are there for them, you show up for them, you help them achieve their goals and then they're going to reward you by exposing you to their audience. And that is the greatest gift right there in the concept of quote unquote, getting published. Sorry, I went on a long tangent. There.
0: <laughs> no, I love it. It was so, so beneficial. I'm also taking notes. I'm like, I, cause this, this year, my goal has really been focusing on media for my own brand. And I'm just taking all the notes. I'm like, I know I'm gonna make a to do list for me. But I I love how you take this, something that a lot of people could be I don't wanna say the word selfish, but you know, it's like, oh, how can I get media? How can mm-hmm. I um you know, get more exposure for my brand, but I love how you take a look at it as a collaboration with the podcast host, with the magazine, with the publisher, whoever it may be. So it's a mutually beneficial relationship because I feel like that's not the mind frame that a lot of people have, but I can see how in the long run that is going to benefit you as the company so much.
1: Yeah. So we need to remove media from or excuse me, we need to remove ego from the media equation mm-hmm. because it's very transparent if it's being done for for vanity purposes. Mm-hmm. And it's you're just going to waste a lot of the media's time they see through it. So like and that's those pitches of please feature me.
0: Yeah. Well yeah. for
1: what? But that being said, the media understands the role they play in this ecosystem, which is they give opportunities to individuals like you for this. So they get that part of it is that you have to position and part of it is is that they pick up these these pitches they Mm -hmm. understand that so the idea that you're going to offend them or that you're going to upset them or that you're going to bother them by trying to position yourself we need to erase that narrative now with that there are there are two things i want to mention one is what being published means today because it shifted a little bit and the other two is little things you can do to enhance your pitches Mm -hmm. but how is being published today being published today does not mean always just being in a magazine or being on the Mm -hmm. cover of a magazine. It means being on a podcast like this. It means doing uh, an online feature for a magazine, which by the way, if your goal is to bring an attracting audience into your brand or your business, getting featured on their website, Can be significantly more beneficial for you because of all those link backs Mm -hmm. all those people just because they're reading it right on the device that they need to use to find you versus if you're in a print magazine yes there's amazing equity in a print magazine if you're in a print magazine i have to see your feature i have to like your feature enough to look at your name to then think later i should google this person or Mm -hmm. look this person up then later I have to remember to do it. Okay, there's a lot of steps versus if I'm reading an online feature of you in a blog or or on a website, all I have to do is click your name and it takes me to your Instagram. I have to click your name, it takes me to your website. That is direct transaction right there where I'm now engaging with you, okay, Mm -hmm. which is one of your goals. Also, what about Instagram takeovers? I was talking to some friends of mine over at uh, a fitness magazine. I says, you know, how often do people pitch to be in your magazine? They say, well, we get you know, a couple hundred, if not a thousand a week. I said, okay, how many people pitch to be on your website? And they said, mm, maybe, maybe a few. Uh, and I said, how many people pitch to contribute content to your Instagram channel, which has over a hundred thousand followers? How many people offer to pitch content for your Instagram channel? I said, never. Wow. There you go. Open opportunity. I get featured on their Instagram channel. I'm being exposed to a hundred thousand of their followers who, if, if that is my target audience, That is gold for me and it's long tail content because they're not deleting the Instagram post that stays on there. Or if I did an IG takeover with them where Mm -hmm. I'm presenting to their audience through their Instagram channel, what a phenomenal way to expose who I am, what I do, to my target audience. These are interesting, new creative ways where we can partner with media. And oftentimes, media will use their websites as a testing ground. Okay, we're not going to put you in our magazine, but can you write an online article? Yes, 1000% yes, that is going to drive so much traffic for me. I'm gonna promote the heck out of this because I know you're looking at the number of unique pages you get on my article. So I'm Mm -hmm. gonna drive a ton of traffic to that. It benefits me, it benefits you, and it's me getting up to bat for that next opportunity. Now, I also said things you can do, little things you can do to enhance really the the viability of your pitching. It's one of two things. One is a media kit a media kit is just a it could be a one to let let's just say an eight page pdf that encapsulates who you are what you do and why it matters that way you don't have to type it out in the email mm-hmm. it's just a well curated well designed pdf it shows some past media you've been featured in tells a little bit about who you do shows a little bit of your your own numbers if if pushing your numbers is a way to try to step up or edge out others, Um, like here's my email list, here's my blog, you know, whatever it is, Uh, here's my social media list, here's my engagement numbers, here's my open rates, things like that. Uh, Here's other places I've been featured. That Mm -hmm. is a phenomenal way to stand out a little bit more. But once again, you do not attach this You hyperlink it in. And the other option is to do what's called a pitch page. A pitch page, it's a media kit, but it's all in one page. If you are pitching to podcasts, I would highly advocate using a pitch page because it's everything in one page. You put your photo at the top. Also at the top, you put the top topics that you could be interviewed for, the top things you could be interviewed for. That has to go near the top. Mm -hmm. Then at the bottom, you put your bio. Why does the bio go at the bottom? Because... Who cares? No one's going to read your bio. Bio doesn't matter. And then at the bottom, you can put your contact information. So you're a really good photo at the top. The, the, the topics you can be interviewed for at the top, your bio and your contact information at the bottom. And that right there, it's a small enough file. You can embed that in an email. That can be embedded in the email. So you write your who I am, what I do, what I want to do for you in the email. Then as they scroll, then they see the photo of your pitch page right there. And the first things they see are your photo and the top topics that you could talk about. Then they're going to want to scroll down to see the rest. Okay. So little things you can do like that, that just enhance your visibility in
0: your pitching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this. And I just wanted to circle back around to the IG takeover idea. I think that is brilliant because, you know, I see the entrepreneurs taking over entrepreneurs, Instagram accounts, but I have not even thought of, okay, what do I, what publication do I want to be featured in? Right. And then maybe going to that publication or, that Instagram account that I know all of my target audience is following and being like, Hey, let me take over your story. Cause we all know Instagram is super, super engaging. Maybe even more than people are reading the articles. I don't know the numbers on that part, (laughs) but that is so, so brilliant. That is gold.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, I hope it helps. It's, it's really just about what can i do that stands me out a little bit but uh, overall the, only, the 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 number one thing number one thing you can be doing is just pitching more mm-hmm. and the the best way to do this, the most effective and efficient way to do this is just to track your efforts. Put it into a Google spreadsheet where you just list out all the publications or podcasts, all their contact information, and then every column thereafter is what you tried to do to reach out to them. And just put it into your calendar. You know what? This Friday, I'm going to work on pitching for one hour. And you just send out pitches for an hour. And then you know what? Uh, I'm going to schedule to do this again in a couple weeks. You just put it right in your calendar. That way, when you sit down for that hour, that 90 minutes that you've blocked in your calendar, you just know what you're going to do. You have your list. Who do I need to follow up with? Who have I added to the list that I can reach out to for the first time? And the list just tracks all your notes. Well, I sent this kind of pitch here and you see it in your sent email anyway, and you're just doing a response to your sent email. So it's very easy to keep track of what you're sending out. Mm
0: -hmm. So I have a few follow-up questions kind of on, on all of these four steps as I'm thinking about The questions that people may have. So one, this may be me just overthinking, but the subject lines when you're sending out the emails for pitching—is there anything Uh that you've seen works best?
1: Yeah, subject lines actually matter. So if if it's a subject line that says "Publish Me," probably not. Uh, (laughs) If it's a subject line that can captivate me, like the top SEO hacks that any entrepreneur can implement and I'm running an entrepreneur-based magazine, I'm interested, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll open up that email. Absolutely, absolutely. So you can get creative. I mean, don't, don't spend so much time that you're hyper obsessing over it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and, and, and a subject line that says pitch, probably not, Okay. probably not. Um, if you are, so much of my audience is health and fitness experts, so that's where my mind goes, um, you know, 10 ways to stay in shape through quarantine, plus more ideas.
0: So almost as if like you're writing a blog, like a, a, like a captivating blog title, that's how I'm thinking of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your goal is to get them to open the email. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's put something in that gets them to open the email. And if that's if that's a captivating subject line that gets people to say, you know what, I'm interested in more, okay.
0: That's awesome. And then also going back to when people are going on to like a magazines, um, what is it called? The, uh, the section where it, the, where it talks Masthead. about the topics. Yeah. the in the, Oh, yeah, oh the, so
1: the, me, the magazines media kit. Yeah.
0: Yes. The media kit where they're talking about, you know, like in three months we're talking about this, like say for instance, I'm looking at, I don't know, Inc magazine in three months, they're talking about SEO. Would I put that in my email, like, Hey, I've noticed, you know, in August, You're talking about this. I have this great idea.
1: Yeah, it's not private information. They're publicly posting it. They're posting it for potential advertisers, but it shows that you did your research. And if I'm an editor and I see that someone who's submitting did their research, because as, and I've worked as an editor when I was in college, I I was a photo editor. I can Mm -hmm. tell you what pisses editors off. These are the things that piss editors off. One is you send one email off to 20 different publications at the same time you just put us on the bcc field auto delete
0: yep. <laughs>
1: auto delete uh you obviously copied and pasted the same pitch and you just changed out the magazine name
0: yeah
1: that's going to be obvious too because it won't read right a or b you will have forgotten to shift your conditional formatting and i'll see where you copied and pasted
0: yeah yeah i'm sure that as a podcaster bad. you probably see that a lot yes too.
1: <laughs> i have yes i have um You don't address the pitch to anyone specific to whom Mm -hmm. it may concern. Things like that that doesn't work well either. Uh, Usually submissions where it's like submission at or um, kind of those like blank emails that you think no one's going to check. No one checks. You're Mm -hmm. right. You're right to think no one checks them because no one checks them. Try to find and if it requires you spend some time on Google. Spend some time on Google to find the editor's actual email address. And when in doubt, call the front desk, introduce yourself, say you have a story idea you would like to position to so-and-so. Is it possible for you to get their email address or an email address of another associate editor that you can send this to? Love Why not just pick up the phone and ask? Because what, what's the worst they're going to tell you?
0: No, yeah. We don't
1: give that out. <laughs> That's the worst they're going to tell you. Okay, thank you so much. That's it. That's the worst thing that could happen. The best thing that could happen is oh, it's blank, blank at blank, blank.com. Okay, good. You now have it. You now, and the, there you go. And by the way, once you find one email address for, for a given company, most emails within that company follow the same structure. So, it, for example, if it's just first name at company.com, mm-hmm. usually everyone's email is going to follow suit. If it's uh, last name at company.com, same. If it's first initial dot last name, it, Find the format and chances are you'll find their email address.
0: This is good. This is so good. I'm already brainstorming in my head <laughs> what I need <laughs> to be doing. Um, so last question kind of along this topic is, do, have you noticed, like, for instance, you know, I'm looking at their media kit and three months from now, they're talking about this. When are, when have you seen magazines start thinking about topics? Because I'm sure it's a good Such bit a in a good advance. question.
1: Such a good question. Okay. So the bigger the magazine, the farther out ahead they work. So if you're working with a national magazine, their run cycle is going to be three to four months ahead of schedule. Okay. Okay. So if you're looking at, let's say ink magazine, chances are they're at that three to four month range. So if we're in June, August, September, or July, August, September, October, so they're working either their September or their October issues now. Um, The smaller the magazine, the closer to run they're going to do. So like, for example, later today, we're at, you know, we're recording this on June 10th. I'm shooting a July cover today. Okay. It goes to press next week. So I have to turn this around really fast, Uh, but it's a local magazine and they have to run faster to their production date simply because smaller staff uh, and they just advertising dictates that they have to do issue to issue.
0: Gotcha, okay, that's, that's good to know. Three to four months for national, smaller, it'll be a little closer to run. Yeah, awesome. and think about
1: like like daily news shows. The daily news shows, they're writing their news usually a day or two ahead of time. That's
0: true, because they, they, they gotta be relevant.
1: <laughs> exactly, so it's all about the media, like the actual media too will dictate how often or how far ahead they can plan their content
0: gosh thank you so much for your knowledge today this was so so good for my listeners as well as for myself i have taken so many notes for myself um i'm like i already know what i'm going to be doing this weekend (laughs) good um but where can people find you online how can they work with you
1: Absolutely. So easiest way to find me is just jamespatrick.com. I am on Instagram at jpatrickphoto. Uh, I, and, I, and I will honor that. The first five people who post this episode on Instagram and write the thing, the number one takeaway they had, they tag at me at jpatrickphoto and your account, which what's your account again?
0: Maria Benz
1: at Maria Benz. So at J Patrick photo at Maria Benz, tag us both. Let us know the number one takeaway you had the first five people I see do this. I'm going to send you a DM. I'm going to get your address. I'm going to send you a copy of my book.
0: That is, that is so awesome. So generous of you. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you again for joining us today.
1: I appreciate you having me on and, and truly hope that it helped you helped your audience. And honestly, love these conversations. So anything I can do to support you guys, do not hesitate to let me know.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and leave us a review with your main takeaways from this episode. But thanks again for joining me today. And I will catch you next time on the Marketing Mindset Podcast.